You're listening to Startups for Good, where we explore high growth and high values ventures. I am your host, Miles Lassiter, co-founder and CEO of Purpose Built, a venture studio focused on human potential. Listen to our podcast to hear stories of entrepreneurs. Listen to be inspired to be a founder or to work for a startup. Listen to be part of a community that believes startups can be a force for good. Welcome to Startups for Good. On today's episode, I speak with Aaron Levine. Aaron is the CEO and founder of justice tech company, Hello Divorce. After 16 years as a divorce lawyer, Aaron knows just how broken, toxic, wildly inefficient, and unreasonably expensive the family law system is. With Americans spending $30 billion a year on legal fees alone, no longer wanting to be a complicit participant in the process the route spouses through war, Aaron set out to revolutionize how consumers access the law and provide a kinder, easier, and cheaper pathway to divorce. Ultimately, Aaron's mission is to help people reorganize their lives and families with less stress and less mess, providing a bridge to financial independence and emotional well-being. The company raised a $2 million pre-seed in 2021 Stay tuned for more news regarding their seed. Customers, 2,500 or more, growing revenue 140% year over year, an employee count of 15 plus. In this episode, we talk about the mission of Hello Divorce and why it's important. Barriers to more legal tech or justice tech innovation. We talk about her fundraising process and we dive into how to have hard conversations and why it's so important to founders. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Even if you're not originally excited about the topic, please stay tuned. Thank you so much for coming on Startups for Good. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right, Aaron, we're going to jump in the deep end. Hello, Uh Divorce. Hello, Divorce makes it easier to have a divorce. Does that mean we're going to have more? Well... We might have more divorces, but I think really the question is, by making the divorce system so complicated and so expensive, how many people stay in unhappy or unhealthy or toxic marriages just because of their fear around divorce itself bankrupting them or sending them into an all-out war with their spouse? So. I don't think by making divorce easier, everyone's going to go out and get a divorce. But I do think we're going to allow people who really would benefit from a conscious uncoupling uh, to have that opportunity for the first time. Do you think of it as a feminist thing, divorce? Because I think it's changed over history. It used to be anti-feminist, and I think many considered it feminist as it became more accessible. Where do you think it stands today? Divorce is pretty complicated. I've I've heard a lot of your other guests speak around issues with the legal system, with personal finance. We fall squarely in those categories. I focus primarily on divorce and family law. I do think that there is a feminist component. What we know is that After divorce, women 
struggle with finances, they see a 20 to 30% decrease in their income. Whereas shortly after divorce, within about 18 months, months men's tend to see a 20% increase in their income. So there is so much in the way of struggle that people go through before, during, and after divorce. And I think anything we can do to help women along in that process and help them bounce back and minimize the impact as much as possible is going to be helpful. What do you think is driving that income differential? Well, there's a lot of things. So oftentimes what we have seen historically is increased child rearing responsibilities for women after divorce. We are certainly seeing men take not only much more responsibility with child rearing, but that the courts are now allowing men to share in many cases an equal responsibility. But historically, what we have seen and still see to a large extent is that women take on a huge amount of the mental load associated with child rearing and then oftentimes have increased child responsibilities post-divorce, which limit their opportunity to really grow their professions. The other thing that we see is a lot more women as opposed to men who have put their career second or have taken a period of time during their marriage where they stepped away from the professional wor world to raise children. And so right then and there, they are, they have much more difficulty, you know, making, hitting that same earning potential as men post-divorce. What are you seeing in same-sex couple divorce trends? Well, we're seeing a lot more. <laughs> I think a big reason for that is because same-sex marriage was legalized throughout the United States about seven years ago. And the average length of marriage for a first-time divorcee is about seven and a half years. So we are definitely seeing an increase in same-sex divorces. And what makes it really challenging for gay and lesbians who are getting a divorce is that in a lot of ways, different rules apply. There are many states, for example, that have forms that are standardized that if anyone can find them and actually fill them out, they can get divorced without a lawyer. However, there aren't always those same standardized forms for gay and lesbian couples getting a divorce, especially when they have children. So it is a lot more challenging and there's a lot more of a need for companies like Hello Divorce to, to step up and provide the resources and tools that people need to, to get divorced. Tell us more about Hello Divorce and how you help. My goal with Hello Divorce is to make the divorce process easier, cheaper, and a lot kinder. I believe after lawyering for 16 years and building my own law firm in the Bay Area, that the vast majority of people don't want a long, messy, expensive divorce. But because the legal process is so complex and the potential financial and legal and emotional implications are so major, people think that they have to lawyer up. 
The problem with that is twofold. Number one, over 75% of people can't afford a lawyer at the average cost of $15,000 per person in legal fees. And even those who lawyer up end up really struggling throughout the divorce process because lawyers, for the most part, are trained to win, to win in court. That's how they show their value. And most people don't want to have to battle it out and spend months and months, if not years, fighting their ex just to exit a relationship. So we offer a new and different opportunity for people to get divorced, find solutions that are rooted in fairness without necessarily making a huge mess out of their divorce. So our platform helps people with all of the logistics that are related to the legal process. So most people don't know, but to get divorced, even in a fairly amicable divorce, there are about 50 forms that are required. You have to disclose your financials. You have to file these forms at the right interval, serve them in a way that comports with the law and sign them in a way that the court will accept. Our platform makes that process really easy. The second part of divorce is actually getting to an agreement on a co-parenting schedule, on finances, and on child support. We offer a platform that helps people get to an agreement, and if they need a little extra help away along the way, they can access lawyers, financial analysts, and mediators to help them resolve conflict. So keeping them out of court and focused on their next best chapter as opposed to everything that went wrong in their relationship. How do you help them get to agreement? We help them get to an agreement by first off making the process as transparent as possible. So I think when it comes to divorce and trust being at an all-time low a lot of the time for these spouses, there's a lot of fear associated with, do I have all the finances? Are they trying to hide something from me? Do I understand what the assets are that we have and what my options are for division or assignment? So the first aspect of Hello Divorce is really making all of that as transparent as possible, making sure that we level the playing field, that everybody has all the information they need to be able to make good decisions that bring them peace of mind and set them up for a faster recovery. Because no matter what, we're going to see conflict and divorce. No matter what, we're going to see people struggling financially in divorce. But how can we set them up for that next best chapter? So that's the first piece. And the second piece is being really clear on what their options are for division, for distributing assets, and helping them to come to an agreement. Oftentimes, people are able to agree on the vast majority of stuff, but there might be one or two issues where they keep getting stuck. And at that point, it makes sense for them to access a mediator or a financial analyst through the platform to help them kind of broker a deal. And that seems to be really helpful. It's different than a marketplace where we would send people out of the platform. We would re refer them outward to try to finish up whatever's going on in their divorce. Our goal is to keep everyone on the same platform, the consumer first, 
but bring in the experts only as needed, keep the process moving so that they can get divorced as, as quickly as reasonably possible, because nobody wants to sit in transition for 18 months or, or two years. That's really problematic. So you mentioned keeping it all on platform. Does that apply to the lawyers as well? It does. So the lawyers that work with Hello Divorce customers work directly through the platform. So customers, if they get stuck or have a question or an issue along the way, they can, if it's not part of their plan, they can purchase a la carte time with the lawyer. They can choose which lawyer they want to work with. They can schedule with that lawyer and they can consent to Hello Divorce, giving that lawyer access to their finances and their forms. So that when they show up for that call, the lawyer can do what they do best, which is problem solve, as opposed to all the logistics of collecting information and trying to figure out where they are in the process. Instead, that 30 minutes or that hour is really focused on exactly what they need. So do all of these lawyers work for you or are they independent contractors on the platform? A little bit of both. So one of the reasons why you don't see a ton of legal innovation in the direct-to-consumer space is because legal regulations are challenging. Only law firms can provide legal advice directly to consumers, and law firms can't be owned by anyone other than lawyers. So in other words, venture can't invest directly into law firms. Instead, they have to invest into a corporation that provides legal services. So in order to get around those regulations in a way that doesn't anger the regulators, but still provides transparency and help to the consumers, we have a two entity model. Hello Divorce provides all of the software, the scheduling, the logistics, the financial help. But to the extent that somebody needs help from a lawyer, they're actually working with our second entity, which is a law firm. So for the consumer, it's a very smooth process. They stay on one plot platform and they always know who they're working with when they're working. But technically, those lawyers are either employees or contractors of the law firm that works with Hello Divorce. Does that make sense? I know it's a little, little complex. I think I understand it. The tech company and the law firm are separated so you can get outside investment. It's similar to what you see in the healthcare industry around doctors and the corporate practice of medicine as well. There's so many similarities with telehealth, um, insure tech, fintech. In fact, our chief product officer, Carla Aribe, led product at TurboTax for 10 years before deciding to try her hand at, at a startup at, at our company. And there are certainly a lot of similarities there. And just as we've seen millions and millions of people adopt, you know, uh, fintech and see doing their taxes online as a viable solution or seeking medical or healthcare online, we're definitely seeing that a lot more now in the legal industry, which is very exciting for me because in the past, Legal tech really focused on making lawyers more efficient or making it easier for the consumer to access or hire a lawyer. But those efficiencies don't necessarily get passed on to the consumer. My goal is to really create a experience that focuses 
on the consumer. And at the same time, if we can make lawyers more efficient, that's going to be helpful for everyone. So what's really preventing more legal tech innovation? Well, I think that in the same way that investors were concerned around fintech and telehealth and insure tech, it's been a little bit, you know, there's been, a, there's been some fear about investing in justice tech. It's fairly new and we haven't seen, you know, hundreds and hundreds of exits that get venture really excited. I think LegalZoom going public this past year has been really helpful to our industry. I also think that because the regulations are so challenging to navigate, and because lawyers themselves generally need to take the initial risk, they need to put their own money into innovation and try different models unless they are able to figure out a way to build their own company. It really prevents, it stifles innovation. So it, it it's incredibly challenging there is also some serious concerns around unauthorized practice of law. So you can have a separate entity like Hello Divorce, but you also have to be very careful that you don't practice law because that would be in violation of legal regulations. So you mentioned that lawyers have to put their own capital up to get these justice tech startups going. Why is that? It is very challenging to figure out a model that allows non-lawyers to help with legal services. As a lawyer working for Hello Divorce, for example, I can't provide legal services directly to the consumer. Legal services or legal advice has to come from the law firm. So lawyers in general tend to be risk adverse. So asking them to not only innovate, not only move away from the billable hour that has been so wildly successful for most lawyers is really a tall order because they're having to deal with two main regulatory hurdles. One is unauthorized practice of law. The other is that lawyers can't fee split. They can't share fees with non-law firm corporation. So it's not just figuring out how we can innovate, how we can make the experience better for the consumer. It's really putting a lot of time, energy, and research into, and how can we do that in a way that isn't going to get us stripped of our bar license and still going to provide meaningful help to the consumer. You mentioned you hired a product manager from TurboTax. Congratulations. Thank you. That was really exciting for us. And Carla is absolutely extraordinary. She's also born and raised in Mexico. And so she's Spanish first. That's her first language. And of course, as we continue to, to launch in other states, accessibility is so important to me. And we really are excited and ready to, you know, build out our Spanish speaking product as well. So it just came at the most perfect timing for us and is really, really a, a big win. I think TurboTax has a lot of mind share as a company that helps consumers navigate 
a complex legal process. And so getting someone out of that team must be quite the coup for you. How did you do it? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, we are so, as lawyers, we're, we're, we have so many rules and regulations that we need to follow that it is really scary for us to innovate outside of the law firm model. But it's also really hard for us to attract developers and designers and people whose profession is to make you know, these really complicated processes a lot easier. So, and then plus we can't offer them equity through a law firm. So that was one of the big reasons why it was so important to me to take Hello Divorce out of the law firm model and build its own corporation and be able to hire like these talented developers and designers and product people who could make hard stuff easy. So I think Carla was incredibly excited about the parallels between TurboTax and Hello Divorce, between the finance and tax industries and legal, both being super regulatory, very complex, very emotional for consumers. And she saw that she could really apply some of that, the work and the lessons that she had learned over the years to helping people navigate the family law system. So I think it was a, a lot of timing, luck, and she happened to be a very good friend of our chief content officer and president, Heather McKenzie. That's great. You had to have raised money to hire this team. Can you talk more about what the fundraising process was like for you? Sure. So initially, I didn't raise money. That was so foreign to us lawyers, raising money. And so initially, Hello Divorce was sort of born out of my law practice itself. I bootstrapped to build an MVP, which was like a web app that helped very agreeable people navigate the procedural complexities of divorce. I wanted to see if A, it would work, if they would be successful. If B, there was some good margin there, if we could make it a viable business and see whether or not the legal industry would condone it or at least not have any you know, major regulatory issues with it. Once I saw that we were able to accomplish all three, the next challenge was, of course, to form a corporation for Hello Divorce and to raise money. So our first round of funding closed in July of 2021, and that was a $2 million pre-seed round led by a family office, Cease, but with some other great major investors, including Northwestern Mutual and Light Bank out of Chicago. We also had some really incredible strategic angels, some of which in the legal industry as well to kind of help us through the, the regulatory hurdles that we knew we would face. And how did you get in touch with those types of angels originally? One of my co-founders had a, you know, was a, a Techstars alumni, had an, his own exit and was really connected to a lot of great people and investors. In terms of 
meeting the right angel investors, the right strategic people like uh, Chaz Rampenthal, who was the general counsel at LegalZoom for 18 years. That was really my work. I decided to take an approach with the legal system that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I believe it can help consumers. If you have an issue with it, tell me now. Let's work it out together. And in taking that approach, I really built up my credibility and began speaking on justice tech type issues and became a regulatory insider and met some really amazing folks who were able to connect me to some of our advisors and investors today. You talked before publicly that you were getting bored with the legal practice. How did you choose Mm -hmm. to become a founder out of that boredom? Boredom was one piece. That was one piece of a very big puzzle. Really what was happening was that I felt like a complicit participant in a system that was routing people through war. It didn't feel good anymore. Every time we won another trial, it meant that a family that could have reorganized in a way where kids felt good and felt loved and supported was actually destroyed. And it didn't comport with my conscience. I knew that we could do better. I knew that if we could get people to opt out of the system altogether, if we could get them to focus on what matters most to them instead of getting stuck in that process where the billable hour rewards lawyers for inefficiency and ongoing conflict, then we could do better. And so I really just became curious about what it is that consumers need, how we might be able to meet those needs. And and that curiosity led me to wanting to found a company. I also, as I was practicing law over many years, at one point, my law firm was pretty big for a small firm. We had 12, 13 lawyers. And so I really enjoyed running the business. I liked practicing law, but really running the business is what excited me most. So it wasn't that too outside my comfort zone to to jump into another area of business, especially since it's so related to, to what I was doing before. And what has been the biggest challenge as you build this business? It's interesting. Prior to COVID, the biggest challenge was getting consumers to believe that this is truly a viable alternative to the traditional lawyer up and fight status quo. It was really hard for people to believe that an online platform could get them divorced at one-tenth the cost or in one-third the time. And I think a lot of people felt comfortable with an online platform that could help them with a power of attorney or maybe a will. But imagining working through that entire divorce lawsuit online made people really nervous and skeptical about whether or not we could be successful. They could be successful. But it was so interesting because as soon as COVID hit, it was like the closest thing to a magic wand I could have ever received. And that is that people just got comfortable with it. It just became, yes, of course, why wouldn't we look to an easier, cheaper, more efficient alternative? So that was really helpful. I think 
the hardest thing today is sort of going from the doer in chief, the person who is has a, my my pulse and my hands and absolutely everything from talking to customers to building product to actually delivering legal advice to a leader, a manager, and having really you know fierce, hard conversations with the team to keep them motivated, to keep morale up to ensure that we're all executing in a way that not only is healthy for the business and customers, but that makes investors feel confident about the work that we're doing. So I would say that in the moment, that that is probably my, my biggest challenge, but greatest reward. Having Getting to do that personal growth within the professional context is, is really hard, but it's also really fun for me. What's the most important thing that you've learned about becoming that leader and manager that you wish you had known sooner? What I wish I would have known sooner, and I think I did know it, but I didn't trust it, is the need to be incredibly transparent and real and have the hard conversations and understand that it's in those hard conversations that we see the most progress. Because I used to really sort of shy away from, I consider myself to be really conflict avoidant and that creates a lot of damage. And so getting my expectations out on the table, being really clear with the team, providing ongoing feedback and having hard conversations is probably the absolute best thing that we can do as founders. And I definitely wish that I would have started on that path earlier. Can you share a story or an example of a hard conversation and how you went into it instead of avoiding it? And what happened? Sure. I think, you know, just because somebody is an incredible partner in starting a company doesn't necessarily mean that they will be an extraordinary manager of a department, of other employees. And I think a lot of the hard conversations came early when after that first raise, that pre-seed round, we all of a sudden had to build out a, a corporate foundation and we had to look inward and figure out what we do best. And for some of us, it is managing and leading. And for others, that having too many projects or too many things, yeah, too many projects going on, it's inc- it, it is distracting and impossible to to move forward. So some of these early conversations that we had is, you know, taking somebody who, you know, had, had been used to being in that executive role of being part of the strategy of where we take the company each month, quarter, year, and so on, and saying, hey, this might not be the, the best place for you. And here's why. What do you think? Those conversations are, are really challenging to have. So talking about someone's future role in the organization. Right. Yep. But you're glad you've had those conversations because what results? 
So a couple things. Number one is when you when you're working so quickly, iterating so often, and dedicating so much of your life to your startup. If there's one person who isn't pulling their weight or is perceived as not pulling their weight, the whole executive team struggles. It is really hard to move forward when there isn't this trust and we are aligned and trusting that we are all pulling our weight and working towards the same goal and staying focused and executing. And so it is like beyond important to make sure that people are in the role where they succeed most, not just for their own good and the health of the business, but so that the rest of the team can thrive. The team needs to trust that there will be accountability. That's right. And that the right people are in the right roles. If I could change the topic a little bit, I'm curious if there's something you believe or know that most people don't. So I think most people don't know that over 70% of Americans can't afford legal help for whatever legal issue that they are experiencing. That oftentimes, that statistic oftentimes comes as a shock for people. What, what advice would you give to an aspiring founder? Borrowing from Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown, authenticity and vulnerability is a strength. I thought that as a founder and an introvert that I'd be able to hide behind my business and my product would do the hard work for me. And what I learned very quickly is my story, my vision, my leadership would become really, really important to the success of our business. And so I think embracing the real you, getting to know yourself inside and out, and is going to be really, really key and really important. And that it takes, I don't know, five, 10 years to be an overnight success, that there's going to be a lot of grinding, there's going to be a lot of long, hard, um, crazy nights. And so you have to find some joy along the way. And that will, you know, because it's, you know, otherwise it's long haul. You don't want to burn out. I really like what you said about you can't hide behind your business or your product. As we wrap up, where should people follow up online? They can find me on LinkedIn, Erin Levine, on Instagram at Hello Divorce. And our website is HelloDivorce.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Miles. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player. And please give us a rating and review. Startups for Good is brought to you by Purpose Built, a venture studio focused on human potential. If you're inspired today and want to reach out, please visit our website, purposebuilt.vc. Thank you.